tuning in to my podcast, Logic and Common Sense. I really appreciate you guys who have been following me for a while and seeing how things have taken off. Uh, I want to put the plug in right now for two things. One of them is my nonprofit, American Dreamers Foundation, and the other one is my website, braveteacher.com. I've been doing a lot. I've been traveling. I'm trying to do as much good as I can and reach as many people as I can and continue to spread truth. That takes a lot of resources and a lot of time. Uh, I'm very grateful for anybody who's bought a shirt in the past or a hat and, and people who have donated to my nonprofit. Um, I just want to put the plug in right now. I have those links in my description if you want to support me, if you find value in what I'm doing and want me to continue doing that and help me to continue doing that. Um, you can either make a donation to my nonprofit, which I'm about to go full into with making documentaries and highlighting people's American dream, their story, uh, as well as some community events and stuff. And then also you can go to braveteacher.com and buy some merch like a shirt, a hat, um, or a hoodie. So appreciate you guys. Links are in the description. Check it out. Today's podcast, this episode is going to be all about Cuba. I did a survey on my Instagram page and I had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people respond to a poll saying yes, they want um, they want to hear uh, a podcast episode that's going to go through what's going on in Cuba and how it relates to things going on in the United States, some of the parallels, a lot of the things that we see in common. Um, and, and so I'm going to jump right into that. And it all goes back to these, these guys, right? Che Guevara and Fidel Castro. You've probably heard of them. We know about the Castros because uh, Fidel was the president, quote unquote, of Cuba for a long time. But this all, we have to go way back to 1956, the, the late 1950s, and get into the Cuban Revolution, okay? This is where we see some of the same things that the Black Lives Matter movement is doing uh, in the United States. We see that some of these same things started happening in Cuba. What do I mean by that? Well, we all know about trained Marxists. Black Lives Matter founders came out as trained Marxists. Do you know who else was a trained Marxist? Che Guevara. The same tactics that were used in the Cuban Revolution have been used by modern-day left-wing activist groups in the United States. Um, and it's no surprise that both of these figures, right, BLM and Che Guevara, are supporters of socialism. Uh, today, socialism is disguised as equity, which means take from people who have and redistribute those assets to people who don't have to create an equal playing field. But that's not the outcome. There is no equal playing field when uh, socialism happens. It's just equal poverty. Everybody becomes poor. And we see that all over the world. A lot of young people worship, literally worship Che Guevara. And a lot of Antifa and, and BLM people wear the shirts with Fidel Castro and Che Guevara. Like he's hailed as some hero. But a lot of people don't know that Che went all over the world helping guerrilla militant groups overthrow governments. And he was a part of many massacres. Okay, this guy is responsible for killing a lot of innocent people. Uh, he, he participated in warfare in the Congo, Bolivia, and Cuba. He also looked to Mao 
Zedong, which was the, the big Chinese uh, guy for support, leadership, examples of how to be a communist and how to be a, you know, a good uh, socialist Marxist leader. Why do I bring this up? What, him looking to China as some sort of, um, I don't know, mentor figure, right? Like ideas, where can I get good communist ideas? The reason I bring that up is because it wasn't that long ago that one of the BLM founders was so happy that her book was compared to Mao's Red Book. So she was glad that she was compared to this figure. And, and as, as I'm explaining to you, Che Guevara also looked to this figure and kind of idolized this person. So in the, you know, the late, late 1950s, getting into the um, early 1960s, Fidel Castro comes into power in Cuba. Okay, that, there's like a whole story about that, the whole, like a whole war. The president, the previous president of Cuba winds up uh, canceling elections and becomes a dictator himself. So then Fidel and some people organize to overthrow um, that guy and, and come into power. Now about Fidel Castro, he was also this crazy Marxist communist guy and he went to other countries to help destabilize them. He actually helped to overthrow... Uh, he tried to help overthrow the Dominican Republic General Rafael Trujillo in 1947. And then, this is where it really sounds crazy, right? Because in the United States, we've had a lot of people go help with urban riots all over the U.S. Fidel Castro actually went to Colombia back in 1948 to help with urban riots and be a part of that. You know, I, there are some people today that are helping with riots. Uh, I would compare them to Fidel Castro and Che Guevara in their early days. Very similar paths, um, almost doing the exact same thing. So eventually, you know, like I said, Cuba becomes under the power of Fidel Castro uh, after he toppled the previous president who becomes a dictator. And, and so it's one dictator taking over from another dictator. But the difference was that Fidel Castro promised freedoms. And he also, there's a video circulating around the internet where he says he's not a communist. They're not communist ideas. Um, so don't worry, they're not communist. Also, with something that was said, the, um, a lot of people that support the BLM movement and the critical race theory movement, they constantly say we're not Marxist and we're not communist and this is not Marxism this is not communism this is not socialism even though the founders of the BLM movement claim to be trained Marxist um, they, they come out as and they try to convince people that they're not and Fidel Castro did the exact same thing and so he was he had a lot of support he had a lot of support because again he was he was overthrowing what was a legitimate bad guy but if a bad guy overthrows a bad guy, you still are stuck with a bad guy in power. So does it really get any better? Once Fidel came into power, of course, remember, he promised things that he wasn't a communist, right? The, f the first thing the man does is he nationalizes all private industry. What that means is if you had a private company or if you had a private business, let's say you sold bananas, he took over your banana business. If you had a plantation, he took over your plantation. If you grew chickens and you had a big um, 
what do they call it? A chicken coop with hundreds of chickens. He took your chickens and they became nationalized. They became owned by the state. There was no, I'm going to, there was no compensation plan. There was no, um, you, it, it was just literally, he took over these businesses. Also, expropriation of United States businesses. What does that mean? So he basically, again, just like he did to the local private businesses, if there was a business in the country that was a U.S. business owned by the United, like somebody from the United States, the state just took it. They took it, they disposed of it, it became a state business. So private industry completely gone. You have no more privatization on the island of Cuba. You can't work for yourself. Everybody has to work for the government because of this is the, the equity system, right? Where you don't really have private ownership because you know when we have private ownership, you have winners and losers. But under the equity system, everybody works for the government, which is kind of like a big corporation. And nobody's really a winner uh, at first... Maybe there's not a lot of losers, but you know, after a few days, maybe weeks, everybody's a loser in this system. And that's when we started seeing people fleeing from Cuba on rafts, tires, you name it. They were pieces of furniture, whatever they could get on that could float. They tried to get from Cuba to the United States to flee that government. And there's more to why they were fleeing. They weren't just fleeing because Fidel took over all the businesses and took over private property and and anything that was privately owned he also punished his regime punished anybody who disagreed they canceled people and at sometimes they took people's lives they took a lot of lives they killed many people they beat many people they took political prisoners and how does this parallel how can we you know kind of compare this to things happening today right the regime did one thing if you agreed with the regime, you were a friend of the regime. Rewards for you, cookies for you. If you disagreed with the regime, you were canceled, you were abused, and you were mistreated. Kind of like today, if you agree with the left, you're a friend of the left. You get a cookie. In fact, you might get a whole box of cookies. Disagree with the left, and what happens? Well, you get canceled. The mob attacks you. They try to ruin your life. They try to... Um, take away your job, take away your career, discredit you as a person. Anybody who opposes the left gets the same treatment that Fidel Castro gave to anyone who opposed his regime. So this is, this is another parallel. We have a lot of parallels of communist Cuba and modern-day United States. It's very scary when you're able to put them together and kind of see the path that we're going on in the United States. It's not a good one. It's really not a good one. So it was, it was bad. It was misery if you disagreed with the government or if you opposed them. And for years and years and years, this just kept going. People kept fleeing Cuba. Um, the United States put up sanctions. That, that's how we have the embargo. Many people are confused about that. I'll get to the embargo towards the end uh, and how the communists of today are, are trying to say that the embargo is the reason for Cuba um, suffering and the people dying, which if we look back in history just a few years, we know that the embargo was not always in place. All the tragedy was happening before the embargo ever happened. And then after the embargo 
was put in place, it continued to happen. It still continues to happen. So what's happening in Cuba is not a result of the embargo. It's a result of the communist regime. And like I said, I'll get to that towards the end. So Cuba keeps spiraling out of control downhill for many years. And this is how we led up to what's going on today, 2021, uh, modern day Cuba, modern day, what's happening now. On July 11th, this has never happened before in the 62, or, or I think it's 60, maybe 63, but 60, we'll just go with 60 plus years of communism. They have never seen this. Everywhere on the island of Cuba, people figured out a way to organize and take to the streets all at the same time to protest the government. What did they protest? The communist regime. They said down with the dictatorship. They called Diaz-Canel, which is the current president of Cuba, they called him a lot of very um, derogatory words, uh, some of the worst curse words you could ever imagine. They called him and everybody who works for him. Um, they had a lot of nasty things to say about him, and justifiably so. They march in the streets. They beg for freedom. They, you know, they're, they're singing um, Patria y Vida, a song by... Uh, gente de Sona, instead of saying patria o muerte, which means like when they say homeland, I think that doesn't do a, a correct service. It's really like a love, homeland, patriotism, all kind of in one word. And, and, and then muerte is death. So the, the communists would say, you know, homeland or death. And then this song is talking about patria y vida, homeland and life, uh, love patriotism, homeland, and life. And so they're chanting that in the streets. They're chanting libertad, which means freedom. Abajo la dictura. They're saying down with the dictatorship and all kinds of things. And they're cursing out the current president, Diaz-Canel. And what happens next is kind of what sparked the outrage on the internet, on social media. And when I say outrage, I mean, how do I say this? Independent journalists just sharing the truth of what's going on. The police step in, the military, the Cuban police, Cuban military step in and just start killing people. There was news reports about rubber bullets. Um, there's no videos to prove that the police use non-lethal uh, methods of control other than sticks. You know, you see videos of the guys with the billy sticks uh, beating the crowds. You also see how there was a, all the protests were peaceful. They were all, every single one of them were peaceful. These people in Cuba were not burning down buildings. They weren't um, destroying property. They weren't doing any of that. There was a big protest, and this is the first videos a lot of people saw, where the people were gathered and they were, they were saying, like, down with the dictatorship, we want freedom, and a lot of other things. And again, cursing out their president because he's a horrible uh, communist. The police sent in a squadron of men dressed in civilian clothing with large sticks. Uh, in Spanish, they're called palos. It's like a staff, like a, just a huge rod, basically. A freshly cut tree, right? Fresh cut, big, you know. And they send them in the crowd to start beating people and disperse the crowd along with the police. Why did the government do this? Well, they wanted to make it look like it wasn't just the police and military repressing the crowd. They wanted to make it look like it was more of a civil war breaking out. People against people, not people against the government. That's what the government was trying to 
push that image that it was the government uh, trying to maybe bring peace to a, a civil war of sorts. The president gets on the national TV in Cuba and gives like a kill order and says like, long live the revolution. Um, we're going to fight to preserve la revolucion and anybody who opposes it will be repressed. And, you know, the police and military have permission to use deadly force and all that stuff. That's when it started getting worse and worse and worse. At first, they were just beating people and they shot a couple of people and they made a few arrests. But that night, that first night, the police went everywhere. They were just beating the crap out of people. Um, kidnapping started taking place where the military and police were literally kidnapping Cuban citizens and putting them in unknown locations. They were abducting young men. They, they started a mandatory draft where they started drafting young men to join the military. And if you didn't join, they would beat your family, probably kill them, maybe kill you. Uh, so they forced a lot of people into the military uh, to, to help quell what was going on, to try to preserve the communist regime's power. And that really wasn't going so well. So then Raul Castro, which was the previous... So after Fidel Castro um, was president, he gave power to his brother Raul. Raul then, you know, relinquished his power. Diaz-Canel's president, right? Raul flees to Venezuela. The next thing you know, there's reports coming from the island of Venezuelan military all over the place, coming in. Um, and, they, you know, of course, the Venezuelans have brand new body armor, brand new weapons and stuff. They're helping the police and military in Cuba to repress the people. And um, it just kept getting uglier and uglier. Then we started seeing videos of police literally killing people we saw videos of um they have this mixture it's always like police and then these people dressed in civilian clothing you can see there's uniforms but then you can see people in regular clothing and they're just going around beating people i mean you're talking about women uh, children old elderly people i mean whatever you think there's a video of the communist regime beating somebody Okay, of every age, of every color. It's not a white or black thing. It's not a brown or tan thing. I mean, it was literally, it's literally the communist regime against anybody who wants freedom in Cuba. And so for days we saw that. Uh, I think it was like the third day or the fourth day. Next thing you know, we start getting reports of power outages. So the government was actively shutting off the power at night so they could go through the neighborhoods and kidnap people. They were going door to door, taking young men out of the homes, taking fathers out of the homes and either putting, I don't know, some, some of them went to jail, some of them were killed and some of them were forced into the military. There's a lot of unknowns that, you know, we'll, we will never know the true stories of everything that happened in Cuba until Cuba becomes a free country and the people on the island are giving the opportunity to share their stories with the outside world. And, you know, I actually hope that I will get the privilege of doing that. I'd go right now if I could. I don't have any backing or, or uh, support to be able to do it, but I would, believe me. I'm, I'm not scared of going out there. I can definitely do it. Um, and again, I speak Spanish, so I don't think I'd have an issue with, with the language barrier or anything, but those stories will never know everything that happened. So the blackouts, the kidnappings, internet gets shut off. The, the government shuts off the internet and then they they start look they make a list of people who have been posting things on the internet and sharing with the outside world um, ex basically the anybody who exposed the communist regime 
the police went looking for women, children, men. It didn't matter. They abducted those people, beat those people. There were stories um, of people whose eyes were gouged out, whose teeth were plucked out, tortured literally to the point of dying, but not necessarily dead yet. And then after they were tortured and beat, they were fed to actual canines, to dogs. That definitely happened over these past, um, I think it's two weeks, two weeks at this point. It's, it's really sick what the communist regime has done. Now, I guess this next part is where we're going to see a parallel to the United States, right? So the, the Cuban government gets on TV and talks about this misinformation going around on social media. And we have to control the internet and we have to control the media. And just in case anybody that's listening doesn't know, Cuba only has uh, state-run news companies. They don't have a free press. They, you hear the White House lying about, we support the Cubans' right to protest and assemble. And whatever. You don't have the right to protest. You don't have a right to assemble. You don't have the right to free speech in Cuba. It's a communist country. They don't have that right. So when the White House says that, that, that is an intentional lie to make people think that it, you know, in, under communism, maybe you have free speech, maybe you have um, the, the right to gather and assemble, but you really don't. Okay? I've been to Cuba. I was told to be quiet so that the informants don't hear me talking smack about the government or they could come arrest me. Um, they might not beat me because I'm a U.S. citizen, but they would probably deport me and make me leave and not allow me to come back into the country. So you don't have free speech in Cuba. I experienced it firsthand. So the, the government runs this campaign about uh, social media being used as a tool to spread misinformation that disagrees with the government. Recently in the United States, we see the White House press secretary, Jen Psaki, saying the same thing. Social media is being used to spread misinformation, and we have to stop it because it's information different than what we're giving out from our White House. So we have to stop that. So there's a massive censorship going on, right, in Cuba and then also in the United States. Parallel. This is something that is very scary because the government should not ever be the ones to determine what um, speech is allowed and what speech isn't allowed. That's something you see from a dictatorship only. This whole time, you know, another thing you have to keep in mind, older people, right, elderly folks, they're just dying, dropping like flies. Why? Because there's no medicine, there's no food. There's never been medicine, there's never been food in Cuba. The only way people have ever gotten medicine and food is if their family or friends or somebody flies to Cuba and brings it in their suitcase and then, you know, delivers it to a set individual or to a store. A lot of people would go out of the country, they'd come back with suitcases full of goods and they would sell it at a store for ridiculous prices, uh, I saw that with you know firsthand. I, I saw it. Okay, that, that's what people did. So the elderly people are dying, sick people are dying, the hospitals are dirty. All of this is going on during this whole time. Meanwhile, people are being arrested and killed and beat and repressed. The White House has the nerve and audacity to say that these protests were fueled by uh, lack of COVID vaccines and lack of medicine and food shortages when. Never once did any Cuban protester ever say they wanted a COVID vaccine. So the White House spreading misinformation intentionally because they, supposedly they should have the best intel in the world. 
it should be un, it should be unparalleled with anybody. They should have the best intel. They know exactly why these protests took place, and it took them. Um, I think it took them like three three to five days to actually denounce communism and, and say uh, what the protests were about. But meanwhile, the news organizations, mainstream media are, are lying to the world, lying to America about what's going on in Cuba. They're going with the oh, it's a vaccine protest. It's a protest because they need medicine. It's a protest because they need food. All of this is a bunch of propaganda and lies that are actually supporting the communist regime and not the people of Cuba. Cubans in the United States are having a fit. They're, they're protesting everywhere peacefully. They're not destroying property like the anti-fascists do and um, the BLM protesters do. The, the Cubans didn't do any of that. They didn't burn anything. They didn't destroy anything. They protested peacefully. And... We got to sharing videos and information. As soon as anything would come out the island, we would post it on social media and share it with the world to try to raise awareness and spread the truth. It's gotten to the point where the truth is undeniable. There's, it, it's undeniable what's happening in Cuba because we have so, many, so much video evidence. We have picture evidence. Uh, it, it, you cannot keep saying the same lies that the mainstream media and the White House are saying because we, we have been doing our job as just citizens of the, of the world, just human beings being human and showing empathy to those who are suffering and just sharing what's going on. We've been able to raise awareness and hopefully what happens is this truth continues to spread and the people of Cuba continue to fight for their freedom and eventually they get it. Um, but... It's, it's tough when you have a White House, uh, Joe Biden and Jen Psaki and I guess Kamala Harris. We haven't heard much from her about this topic. But it's tough when you have an administration that says, during this time, we're not going to help Cuban people. If they try to come here looking for asylum, they'll be turned away and sent back to Cuba. Meanwhile, we will leave the Mexico-U.S. border wide open. Anybody who wants to come on in, go for it. We'll bring you in. We'll put you on a bus, you'll get food, shelter, and you'll be on your way. Welcome to America. What the hell? That doesn't make any sense. Department of Homeland Security did that. And as of right now, Cubans cannot escape the island and come to the United States and be accepted. If a Cuban tries to come into the United States escaping uh, literally a government that is shooting them and torturing them, they will not be accepted into the United States. Now, there's a lot of people saying the reason for that is because a Cuban would never vote for a socialist Democrat, and they would be the biggest voice for the conservative movement, the freedom movement that America has ever seen. I also kind of agree with that, because if the Cubans started coming to the United States, they would be telling their stories, they would be getting interviewed, and the truth would be coming out about what is socialism and all of these policies that we keep seeing from the left, what is the end result? We would, we would see it up close and personal. Now, let's get into um, this. There were also some boats. Some of you guys might have seen it. Some of you that are listening, this might be the first time you're hearing about Cuba, right? At the beginning of this whole uh, freedom protest, and I'm going to just call it a massacre by the Cuban government, people in Miami loaded up speedboats and snuck into Cuba with cases of water and food. And there haven't been a whole lot of reports about this because they did it at night and they went immediately before maybe the Coast Guard got involved and, and started telling people not to go. 
I don't know the whole story about that, but that really happened. There were boats that left Miami and they didn't really tell anybody what part of Cuba they were landing in, but these were not slow boats. These were pretty fast boats. Um, and, and they went to try to deliver water and food and some other things. And I don't know if those people ever came back. I, I don't know the story about it, if they were fined. Um, but that, that happened. That happened during the first week. And then recently, right before, you know, today is July 26th. And there have been massive protests taking place today. Just this week, boaters left South Florida, landed uh, about 14 miles from the coast of Cuba, and launched fireworks into the sky, flares, to try to give hope to the people and let the people of Cuba know that the world is watching. Uh, we're standing with you. We want you to win. We stand for freedom. That was really significant because the Cuban government made an announcement, a lie, and said that, you know, United States naval vessels, uh, if they come to Cuba, it's not going to be good for anybody. And it, almost like some sort of threat. And they made it seem like the United States was sending ships to attack when it was literally people with their private fishing boats uh, that, that went out to do this on their own volition. And they were actually escorted by the Coast Guard. I think there were two Coast Guard boats that went with them to launch the fireworks. And a lot of people in Cuba took videos and pictures of it and were able to get it out. Now, you're probably thinking, how, how are y'all getting videos out of Cuba if the internet's shut off and there's blackouts and everything else? Well, some people are using VPNs. I don't exactly know how a VPN works, but um, you, know, you can look that up on your own time. How does a VPN work? And that's what the Cubans are using, okay? But they're very cautious. I'm telling you, these people are so cautious. I've talked to people who have said they're scared to share information because they don't want the police knocking at their door to abduct them. Just like uh, we saw this week, the mother, she goes, well, they're here to take me. I have two kids that need me. An infant, right? Has to, she's breastfeeding a child. The kid needs food. They're taking her to jail, leaving the kids. And she said, anything that happens to me, I'm blaming the government. It's their fault. I went in good. Uh, we don't know what her status is or her situation currently, but she was taken by the police and she was able to upload that video probably through a VPN uh, before being taken and arrested. So it's not over in Cuba. It's, it's not. And, you know, it's sad being in the United States knowing that we are the symbol of freedom, hope, and liberty to the world, the world, a lot of people across the world see us as that. And a lot of, um, like in Hong Kong, they would wave the U.S. flag as the Chinese government would come to beat the people during their protests for freedom. Same thing in Cuba. They had people with the U.S. flag at the beginning um, because, again, the U.S. flag is a symbol of hope and it does give hope to people all over the world. But this whole situation in Cuba, it's not over. It doesn't seem to really be getting better, but it's really interesting Today, there have been reports of four generals, major generals that are dead. Um, I'm not really sure if this is them faking their death so they can escape the island. Is this the dictatorship killing them because maybe these guys wanted to surrender and give freedom to the people? Uh, maybe they shared intel with the USA. Like Nobody knows what... Well, there's... Some reports are saying that the dictatorship killed these guys. Uh, some people are saying that they 
fake their death so they could escape and go live a normal life. Um, but there's a common consensus that the Cuban regime is scared and that they're starting to show their hand that they're scared and weak. And it looks like the people may be getting close to winning their freedom, but it won't be easy. Many Cubans have died. It's likely that thousands have been arrested. There were reports, a friend of mine uh, went on Fox News and talked about the concentration camps that are being built for the prisoners. I mean, where else are you gonna put all these hundreds and hundreds of people that you keep arresting? You can't put them in the prisons because the prisons weren't built for that many people. I mean, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. So I'm going to keep talking about this subject. If you haven't already done so, make sure you follow me on Instagram at Jonathan Copel. Uh, you can subscribe to this podcast. You can like it. You can share it. That would be great. Also, if you want to support me in anything I'm doing, uh, I have a nonprofit called the American Dreamers Foundation where I highlight everyday average Americans. And I'm just getting started with this, but I'm, I'm highlighting average Americans and how they've, their struggle that they overcame and how they are today. So things that they've overcome in the past, some people start from nothing and become very significant. Some people overcome great difficulties and end up having a wonderful life with family, uh, married, kids, owning a house, having a great job. So I want to highlight those things to show people in the United States that the American dream is not dead and that anybody can be anything. And these examples, these, these stories really will help uh, to tell people. So you can click, I'll have the link at the, um, the description. And if you want to donate, please, that would be amazing. I would greatly appreciate that. I'm about to do a video with, uh, the first video I'm going to make is a Cuban He's actually a Cuban-American. His dad came from Cuba. Um, his mom came from Honduras. Both of them came to the United States with nothing. Uh, they worked hard. They were able to get a house. Hustlers, I'm telling you. Um, this guy, though, however, Andy, he went down the wrong path, joined gangs, got involved with Latin kings in uh, South Louisiana, wound up going all over the country, involved in gang activity, drug dealing and everything. Crazy story. Life gets changed, turned around. And what he's doing now is, is absolutely outstanding work. I've known him for about seven or eight years. And he is making a difference in um, the lives of those around him. He's married. He's restored relationships with all of his kids. And uh, he's a homeowner. And he's very involved in the local community and uh, I'm, I'm going to highlight his story and I'm going to share it with the world because it's going to encourage a lot of people because if he can overcome what he overcame, then so can you and so can others. Uh, so that's, that's, what I'm, that's what I do at my nonprofit. Also, I have a, a store, braveteacher.com. If anybody's been following me for a while, you know that I'm a high school, a public high school teacher. I went viral for making a stance for two genders and um, calling out Marxism in schools. And I, I started a store because I didn't know what was going to happen. Was I going to keep my job? Was I going to lose my job? Sometimes I'm still kind of concerned what's my future hold for me because it's a very interesting uh, place to be. Now I'm a, I'm a big, uh, I guess, a conservative voice and I have a big platform and I have to go to work. You know, very summer's ending. So in about a week or I think it's a week, maybe two weeks, we start school. And so it's, it's a really awkward strange place to be 
Um, education is very liberal. I do not actually see myself staying in education a whole lot longer. I don't, I don't really know what the future holds for me, but I know it's going to be good, and, and I'm not too concerned about it. But the proceeds from the store, braveteacher.com, help me to continue doing what I'm doing. And what is that, right? I've been able to travel all July and be a voice for truth all across the country. I've gone to Dallas. I've gone to Tampa. I'm actually going to Phoenix, Arizona. I've been working alongside of Turning Point USA, um, networking with a lot of people, and, and really engaging with the public and encouraging other people to use their voice and to be brave and to stand up for something. And that gets really expensive traveling. Food is not cheap when you're on the go. Like I live in my house. I eat beans. I eat rice. I make jambalaya. I make gumbo. If you're not from Louisiana, you don't know what it is. Look it up. It's delicious. But I, you know, I'm very frugal with how I live, um, and so I'm not like just trying to sell stuff and, and raise money so I can go buy a Ferrari or you know be like the Black Lives Matter founder and go get a, a mansion or whatever. I'm actually doing things with that. And for those of you who follow me, you might have seen the Young Entrepreneurs Contest we did through my nonprofit, where we basically just blessed a kid that started a business and that was doing business, and we rewarded that child. A little girl, and I didn't even know this at the time, but her mother is Cuban, and uh, we actually did a live together during this whole Cuba situation. She kind of shared uh, things that her family was going through, but you know, we, we gave that girl uh, some money. We gave her fifty dollars for saying, you know, we just want to reward you for starting your business, and uh, we want you to keep that up. She made bracelets, and she sells bracelets to make a profit, and she buys toys and buys more bracelet uh, supplies, and it, it's really cute. Uh, that's on my Instagram page. You can see it. So, you know, like I said, you can you can support me at braveteacher.com. Buy some merch. I have shirts, hats, and hoodies available. Um, you can donate to the American Dreamers Foundation. Um, any amount would be amazing. I'm super grateful for that. And, uh, yeah, guys, I'm Jonathan Kofu, and this podcast was all about Cuba. I hope you learned something. Mama told me that freedom raised